Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Welcome back to another episode. I am back again today with Courtney. In this episode, this is more so a disclaimer because the topics that we're talking about are really heavy. There are mentions of suicidal thoughts, abuse, and things like that. So I just wanted to make this disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. So if you are triggered at all by those topics, I definitely understand if you cannot listen to this episode. I just wanted to make that clear so that you knew before we get started in this episode. I also just want to mention that we are not licensed therapists or anything like that. So definitely don't take this as medical advice, okay? But yes, that's the disclaimer. So if you are still here and ready to dive into today's episode, then let's get into it. Hope you all are doing well. We are back today with another episode. I'm back here with Courtney, and we are talking today all about family dynamics, toxic relationships with family members, letting go of resentment, how to move on, set boundaries, all that good stuff. So, yeah, how are you today, Courtney? I'm sleepy, but I'm good. (laughs) Yes, she's got her coffee, is it? Tea. Today's Tea. tea. Tea today. Love that. It's like cloudy and rainy here. It's like one of those days where you want to sleep all day. I feel that. It is the same here. Just really cloudy and it's supposed to snow again tonight. And I don't want it to because we just had the snowstorm the other day. But I don't know. I'm ready for summer already and it barely even snowed here so far. So how do we want to start this? Mm Kind of just jump into talking about our own experiences with our own parents, right? Because we're kind of talking about difficult relationships with your parents growing up and how that can affect you and how to move on from that, how to let go of resentment from that, how to deal with toxic family dynamics. So let's start with you because I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like you've got a lot to unpack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably so much. I should probably go to counseling. I had a decent relationship, I guess, with my dad, but I had a really train wreck of a relationship with my mom all the way up until she passed away. But I would say it got bad probably when I was like 10 or 11 is when it got like its peak of like really bad. And then it was never the same after that. But there's so many instances of things. So like, I just didn't understand how to communicate with her when I was younger. And I always wanted the type of mom who like when you were little and you're like nine and younger who like when you have a cold and you're sick and she like makes you soup and brings it to your room and she's like it's okay here's your medicine and my mom was very much like I don't understand why you're being such a baby like heat yourself up some soup it's not a big deal I was like more preoccupied with whatever she was doing and then it got worse like I said at like 10 or 11 after her mom died she got a lot worse and I've tried to understand why my mom was the way that she was but it's just too hard for me because I feel like I'm just making too many excuses for her but the more that things come to light as you know when I was like 11 I remember us getting in some type of dysfunctional argument and 
her hitting me and me being done with being physically harmed by her because this wasn't like a one-off thing. It wasn't random. She had been hitting us for years. She'd hit me with a phone. She'd hit me with wooden spoons. She'd hit me with like so many different objects. And I was just done with being physically hit. So I hit her back and we fist fought. And that's the only time I physically had an altercation with my mom because after that, she didn't hit me anymore. But it was just to have that experience with your own mom, like someone who's supposed to protect you and nurture you and that's how she treats you. And then she allowed her partner to emotionally and physically abuse us our whole life. And then she lied about it to everyone around us. So like all her family and friends, she never painted them the full picture. She hid it all and she wouldn't let us tell our own stories. She didn't even let us tell our own stories to her because she invalidated how we felt when we were upset and we would talk to her. She would be like, I don't know why you're upset. I'm the one who's hurt here. It's like, I'm the one who just got the shit kicked out of me. I'm 11. You're a full-grown person. So that was really hard. Like he used to push his hand over our mouth when we were in trouble so that we couldn't scream for our mom when she was in the other room. And it's just like really creepy, shady things kind of like that. And she knew about it and she didn't do anything. Of course, she was the perfect mom. She sacrificed everything for us is what she would tell people. So there's that element to the relationship. And then there's... I don't know if she was like full on delusional or just had like a break from reality. I don't know or just literally looking for like complete victimhood, but she would call people on the phone and physically like make up. And this is when we were, nothing was wrong. Everything was quiet. She'd call people and make up these stories about like me and my sister treating her awful. And she would call like her friends and our family members and tell them these full elaborate stories. And me and my sister could hear her like up in her room talking about us because we'd be in like the living room or whatever. And we would look at each other and be like, that literally, like literally did not happen like at all. And so then I couldn't, then we can't trust her, right? Because she's going around telling false stories, bad mouthing us. This is supposed to be our mom. So there's couple different books that I think I might have mentioned before in different podcasts that I identify with. One of them is I'm Glad My Mom is Dead by the girl who is in iCarly, which I totally understand her point of view and where she's coming from completely because I'm glad my mom is dead. (laughs) And it's really scary to say and a lot of people don't understand that. But if you lived my life, you would know why. And then the other one I think is It's not in Red Table Talks. It's called The Mother Wound. Sorry, it's by Amani Haidar. I don't Haidar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but she talks about like the three main principles of a mother, which is that they are to provide you protection, nurturing, and guidance. And in all three aspects of of those three things, my mom failed. She didn't protect us. She didn't protect us against herself. She didn't protect us against our abuser. And she didn't protect us against the world. She didn't nurture us. Like me and my sister to this day are uncomfortable hugging each other because we didn't grow up in a house where you were told that, you know, I love you and and we hugged or whatever. We didn't hug our mom. And it's strange because when we were really little, my mom used to like snuggle us and stuff. And my mom's mom was the same way. But as we got older, it was like, get away from me. Like she was bothered by us. And then the guidance, when I was a preteen, My mom didn't want to have anything to do with me. Like I remember her coming home when she was working from work and me being like excited to share something with her and her being like literally screaming at the top of her lungs. Like I just got home, get the fuck out of my face. That was her response. So growing up, I learned to hide in my room 
And I had a room with my sister till I was 15. And then when I became 15, I got my own room. And I purposely wanted that room because that was the only bedroom in the house that had a lock on the door. I used to lock my door at night when I would sleep because I didn't feel safe. And, or I'd sleep at my boyfriend's house or I'd sleep at your house. And then when I got my own room, I just spent a lot, a lot more time by myself isolated. And then in middle school, there was a large chunk of time that I spent either at my friend's houses at the time. I used to sleep over Janae's house a lot. Like every single weekend I wasn't with my dad, I was at her house to a point where like my mom was like, are you going to come home? And I'm like, I don't want to. And then during the week, I would go sleep over my Aunt Tiffany's because she lived in the same town and she would just bring me to school with my cousin because we went to the same school. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. So that there's more. There's like specific instances of like abandonment. I think I've told this story before, maybe even on the podcast or maybe just to you. Where like, like yeah, where like she left me at practice for hours and then she shows up and there's in her car. There's literally a boombox, a stereo, the size of the backseat of the car. And I literally look at her and I'm like, where the fuck am I supposed to sit? I guess this would be a follow-up is from these instances that happened throughout your life, did you pick up or notice any kind of like trauma responses that you developed due to, you know, these toxic family dynamics? Definitely my communication style when I get in an argument with anyone is silence. Because I don't know how to interpret how I'm feeling. So I need excess time away from the actual argument to process how I feel or what I'm thinking in order to actually articulate it to someone else. And I think that's from years of having someone invalidate that I could be upset, even if I was the one who did something wrong and got in trouble or not. And I think it's from years of her telling us that we weren't allowed to be upset because she was the one who was hurt. Mm. And she would have these like six hour conversations with us at the kitchen table when things like that would happen. And she would keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again to the point where me and my sister were literally like falling asleep Mm. at the table. Like, can we go to bed? Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. And then I would say like personal escape. I like to spend a lot of time alone. And it was hard for me to learn how to spend a lot of time with other people or like large groups of people. It still is. I think it's because of that, all that isolation time I had. And you kind of also gained like hyper independence as well, because I feel like at a young age, you and your sister were kind of the ones who had to take care of the household. At least from my outside (laughs) perspective, like whenever I was over your house, it was always, you know, you two were the ones cleaning up after everybody. You two were the ones taking care of Josh. You two were the ones like doing all of these things that I feel like a parent should be doing, but I never really saw her do that. Yeah. She cared when it like was convenient to her or she cared when she finally got like psychotically angry. And I do mean psychotically angry. Just like screaming out of nowhere at the top of your lungs. Yeah, we we went through a period of time. Uh, let me see. I think I have. It's called parentification. Uh, it says like you exist only to care for other people. And I remember my mom like when we were even when we were little, like our chores, our chores were not like a couple of chores. It wasn't like do the dishes and clean your room and like take out the trash. It was like dust the entire house, vacuum the entire house, fold all the laundry for the house, put away all the dishes, sweep, vacuum and dust 
all of the stairs in the house. Like it was extensive lists and we are small children. We're like maybe 12 and we started younger than that. And then it got worse as we got older. And it's just, she used to think she was making a joke. And even if it was a joke, I think there's a shred of subconscious truth to it. She would say, I only had kids so they could clean my house. That's terrible. I would be like, well, actually looking as like an outside perspective, I could see that being like realistic for her because of just the way that you guys were like growing up and what you had to do. And it wasn't even just like, because in your house, there was a lot of people that were always there that were living there. Younger cousins that you took care of, I feel like. Technically it was a, it was a three bedroom house that can, the den got converted into a bedroom and the basement got converted into one more bedroom. So that would be five bedrooms, but there were 12 or 13 people living there at one time yeah it was it was a lot so I also have this like huge problem with if I have something it could be something like this Stanley cup okay this is a really nice cup and I value this I probably overly value it not because it's a materialistic thing and it represents my worth it's it represents my respect right so if Trevor came home and he used this and he broke it I would literally be so uncontrollably angry. And now I know that that comes from living with so many people and having no real privacy because people would just be in and out of your room. And I would just come home and I had to work at the age of 11 to buy all the things that I wanted. So I would go to the mall and spend money on like expensive candles or clothes or whatever. And people would just go in my room and help themselves And then my shit would be missing or it would be broken. And so now it's like this really difficult thing. that It's like a sign of like, I don't mean anything to you. And it's so disrespectful that you like used my shit and broke it. Mm. And it's all like to like an unhealthy level because I had my personal space violated so many times. Yeah. And it's actually great that you're able to do that self-reflection and gain that self-awareness of why, you know, certain reactions happen due to that past trauma that you have because that's the thing that I feel like the older generations don't do is that they don't have the ability to self-reflect and take that accountability for their actions and reactions and be like okay well I'm reacting this way because in my own childhood such and such happened and this is why I have this reaction and you know I'm not saying like all of the older generation but a lot of them struggle with accountability. And I think a lot of it probably comes from feeling like if they take accountability, they're basically saying that they're in the wrong and that makes them a bad person and Mm -hmm. that they don't want to be seen as a bad person. Like how your mom kind of had this, this way of appearing to everybody else as this good mom that, you know, never did anything wrong and And self-sacrifice. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's great that you're able to do that reflection, take that accountability, because in my opinion, it's going to help create healthier relationships with people in your own life. And, Mm. you know, when you have when, or if you have children of your own, you know how to do that self-reflection and Right. Take control of your own reactions, which clearly she did not know how to do. And that was one thing I also had to learn like with my dad, because you have the mother wound, I have this dad wound. And mm-hmm. opposite. Yeah, it's like opposite. And my dad, you know, never took the accountability, never did the self-reflection. For me, I had to be like, all right, well, I feel like he didn't have the tools really back then. Like, and I'm not excusing because that's another thing. Like when I say these things about people always are like, well, you're giving him excuses. Da, 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 da. And 
I'm not giving my dad excuses for his behavior at all. You're trying to figure out why he is the way that he yeah, is. Yeah, it's more so trying to come from a place of understanding why he may Empathy. have reacted. Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, and, and some people, you know, don't want to give them that grace. That's totally fine. I get it because some experiences are really fucking traumatic and it's hard mm-hmm. and it's, it's awful. Like the physical abuse that you went through, that's not okay. And I would even say, what could you tell someone listening who maybe thinks that physical abuse doesn't do any damage to children? Because I've come across, you know, having this argument with people before. And I don't even like to say argument because at the end of the day, everybody's going to have their own beliefs and their own views on things. And I can't change their belief right. with you. But I try to make people understand that physically abusing a child, it does things developmentally to a child. So first of all, there's actual psychology and science now behind physical abuse and severe punishments. And the science says that they literally do nothing in the long term to change the behaviors that you're looking to change in your children. So first of all, science is against you. It literally mathematically, like statistically, is not going to work out for you. Short term, your children are going to be jolted out of that behavior, maybe. But it's like a short term, like very immediate, but it never works over a long period of time. So when children are having temper tantrums or they're misbehaving at like a very young age, what they need is calmness and presence because they do not have the tools to process the vast amount of emotions that they feel within one day. Now, does that mean you're going to be a perfect parent and you're always going to display that to them? No, but that's okay. That's fine. Does that mean that they're always going to like lash out in an inappropriate space like at home? No, that means that they can do it anywhere. But I think like the role as a parent that is important is to understand that you can't have adult expectations for a small child. You have to show up and be present and teach them how to process how they feel and allow them to feel the way that they feel so that they know that it's okay and they don't mistrust themselves and their emotions. Once they learn how to do that, as they get older, they'll be able to be self-reliant like emotionally. And then there's a lot of other elements to being a parent. And of course, I'm not a parent, but this is all the information that I've gotten from other people who are parents who get compliments about how well how well behaved their kids are, or people who raise their kids and regret physically harming them. And as a kid who was physically harmed, all it did was make me have no desire to have any closeness or a relationship with my mom. I didn't want to hug her. I didn't want to tell her I loved her. I didn't want to be close to her. I didn't trust her. So if you want that from your children, then yeah, keep hitting them. Keep hitting them. And they're going to grow up and they're going to hate you. That's what's going to happen. In my opinion, it creates this fear Mm -hmm. within the child. And I talk about this on the podcast all the time. And you resentment. never have to live your life in like fearing all the time. Fearing is survival mode. And that's where the survival mode really starts is in childhood when you're literally fearful of your parents because of the way that they discipline you. But then, of course, I hear the argument. Well, and they wonder why millennials have such bad anxiety. Yeah, that too. And you know, anxiety is our survival mode because we don't know if we if we don't have parents who can emotionally self-regulate. And then they're very sporadic and all over the place. And then you add physical harm, like physical abuse from your parents. You don't have any sense of stability in your life at all. And then all these millennials have so much anxiety. 
And anxiety is really like a lot of anxiety is rooted in, you know, trying to prepare for the future, like planning ahead, thinking about the future, thinking about what the outcome is going to be. And a lot of the times, where does that stem from? Childhood, when you could not predict the outcome or the predictability of your parent and their uncontrollable displays of anger and, you know, things that happen or things that you see your parents go through that is unpredictable. And it's kind of like you want to have control of the outcome so that you can make yourself feel safe and grounded. Right. And then when you are thinking about that, you know, that's when that anxiety creeps in because now you're like, oh, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's the outcome going to be? I'm fearing your brain literally goes in the fight or flight mode because you're like your your like internal physiological system is like, oh my God, I'm in danger. Yeah, I need to run. And I find that I'm surrounded by a lot of people, which honestly, I think this is because every generation is going to have childhood trauma. It's really impossible to escape that, in my opinion, because I, I just feel like at this this point of time, it's hard to escape that. But a lot of the people that I was surrounded by growing up had very physically abusive parents. And I see so many different reactions from a lot of them. So I have this other friend who was, I've actually witnessed some physical trauma to them as well. And they're so afraid of considering that as a bad thing. That they're afraid Mm -hmm. to kind of be like, oh, my parents were abusive to me. I totally understand that. I think it took me a long time to be able to articulate how I feel about the relationship with my mom because there's this huge stigma from society and from elder generations and even like young people around you who have good parents who like people just don't understand the level of abuse that's out there and they don't want to victimize themselves but they also don't want to demonize their parents They don't want the shame that comes along with being abused because there's a lot of shame with that. I think especially with the older generations, so they don't even want to admit that they were abused in any way. And you add all that together and it's just a recipe for like not wanting to validate that that existed in your life or if you validated it, it it makes it real. Mm. I think it's, it's like a combination of those two things. Yeah. Yeah, that that I could see for sure. And facing the, some parents I think really love their kids and don't know how to be parents necessarily or only know what they were taught and that's what they practice and then they regret it later and they work on it with their kids. But my mom never truly regretted it. I never yeah, apologized. She never like take the accountability for like the way that her actions made you feel. Mm -hmm. Or like even that she like she couldn't even validate that she did those things. I feel like parents when you're an adult and you're like, yeah, like you used to hit me. They're like, no, I didn't. Mm. They're like, I might have spanked you like once. You're negating how traumatic it was. Definitely. Yeah, I've I've definitely. Because you've experienced that. Yeah, I've experienced the whole like when you bring up an incident and they completely don't remember it at all. And then it kind of makes you like second guess yourself and you're like am I making this up like now I'm confused about the reality that existed to me you're like am I being gaslit and this was always hard for me because I was surrounded by a lot of people who were physically abused so when I had situations in my own life happen that really bothered me as a child was my own parents mainly a lot of it was my dad but a lot of the times I would kind of invalidate my own feelings because I would say well it's not like he's hitting me right and I would feel like I wasn't allowed to be upset because he wasn't physically abusing me 
And that's something I struggled with a lot as a child because I was like, well, I guess this could be a lot worse. Like what what's happening can be a lot worse. So maybe I'm just overreacting. Maybe I'm, you know. Where do you think that that started though? Do you think that started from somebody saying something like that to you? Probably. I mean, because my dad would say things all the time. Oh, you know, you got to go to Disney and a lot of people don't get to go to Disney. You should just suck it up and be happy. But yet when we were in Disney... What was the trip? It was him constantly yelling at us and being mad, him and my mom fighting, him fighting with me, getting mad at my brother. And because my dad never really physically hit me, I guess he said that when I was really, really young, he hit me once and I laughed at him. So he never hit me again. I don't know. I don't remember that though. I I must've been really young, but I do remember watching him hit my brother and my brother has his own stories that I won't mention because that's his business and I won't bring that up but there's just been all of these moments where I've watched people get physically harmed and I think that really bothered me as a child so then watching people get physically harmed and then kind of comparing that to how my dad treated me I kind of was like well maybe it's not that bad Mm -hmm. but one of the big incidents for me that really created this abandonment wound within me it was when I I think I mentioned this on the last podcast episode we recorded I tend to offer my opinion about when I think a relationship is unhealthy. Mm. And I did that for my dad. And also, I'm sorry if you can hear dogs barking in the background. Unfortunately, just going to have to deal with it. (laughs) So I hadn't been talking to my dad for a really long time ever since my parents got divorced because my dad had left and he just kind of like went and traveled the world, (laughs) traveled the world, traveled the United States essentially on a road trip and didn't say goodbye or anything and just kind of took off. Which is fine because when I first heard that my parents were divorcing, I was kind of like happy about it, which is weird. I wasn't really sure how to act, but I was like relieved because I was like, maybe I can finally feel like a kid because anytime I was trying to have fun, I was getting yelled at. It was constantly the raising of the voice and like really loud. My dad would get mad over everything. Like if we were touching the walls, he would get mad at us. Just like really little things that kind of felt like I had to walk on eggshells to make sure I wasn't pissing him off. And when we were like playing in the basement, if we were being too loud, he would like scream down there and like basically kind of threaten us to be quiet. I always felt like I was walking on eggshells and my parents were always fighting and mostly it was about money and it was also about him going over his friend's house because my dad had gotten hurt at work and got addicted to painkillers and the doctors were no longer prescribing him his painkillers because he was taking too many and whatever else. I don't I don't know the full story. He's probably requesting refills too fast. Yeah, I think that's what was happening. So he would go to his friend's house to get whatever his friend had. And my mom was catching on to this and they were always fighting about this. They were always fighting about money because my dad was out of work and, you know, those vacations that we went on in Disney and whatnot, it was not their money. It was credit cards. So, I mean, it wasn't like they actually had the money to go on it. So essentially when my parents got divorced, I was like, all right, I can breathe again. Things are going to get better. Then I didn't talk to my dad for a while because I was still just kind of upset about his behavior and the way that he treated me as a child and how I never felt you safe guys, around him. They got divorced when you were in middle school. You didn't talk to him till like college? Yeah. So in high school, it was super rough and rocky. Like there were moments where I would just ignore him because anytime he would reach out, it was always about him and his wife, who was not great, which 
not the first wife. The first wife barely lasted. Not my mom, but the one after my mom, like barely lasted. They were the together. Second for wife. Very the third wife was terrible. Yeah, the third wife was crazy. And when I had finally found the courage to see him after a long time of not seeing him, we went to Friendly's and we were supposed to have dinner that day and I voiced my opinion because he told me he was marrying her and I was like, I don't think that she's good for you. I get these weird vibes. I don't really like her. I just don't, I don't know if you should be doing this. And he didn't like my opinion. So we got into a huge fight, a huge blowout fight, yelling at each other. And he was like, get out of the car. So he got out of the car and he just drives away. And I was- How old were you? Like 12 or 13? Yeah, I was like 13, 14. I didn't have a phone at this time. I just remember panicking and I had like one of my very, it wasn't my first anxiety attack, but it was my first anxiety attack where I felt alone and I started having this panic attack because it was like, oh my gosh, my dad just left me here. I have no phone. I have no car, no nothing. What am I going to do? How am I going to get home? And so I went to the throwback blockbuster next door. <laughs> And I'm like, hyperventilating. They're like, do you need me to call 911? I'm like, no, I just need your phone. Need and to call when, my mom. Yeah, I called my mom and she sent her annoying boyfriend to come pick me up. So which it was another, like, which is another, it just not, felt like a slap in the face because it was like, I was looking for emotional support and connection from my mom in that moment, which of course she didn't recognize this at the time. She didn't realize, like, you know, and who knows what she was doing. Maybe she was working and she couldn't, you know. But yeah, but that's like an emergency. That's like you look at your employer and you're like, I'm having an emergency with my kid. They're stranded in the middle of nowhere. I need to go get them. Like, I would be like, I need to leave. That's my teenage daughter in the middle of nowhere by herself with no phone. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen to her. She could get kidnapped. I, You have no idea. Yeah. And it was just these situations in my life that continuously happened where I felt like I was overreacting about certain situations. Like in that moment, I felt like I was being dramatic and that it was not the end of the world and that, you know, whatever. And I was acting like, it's actually oh my God. super dramatic. Yeah. It's super dysfunctional. Yeah. It was just, and my dad doesn't, I don't think he remembers it fully. And also I have to remember, well, he was on a lot of painkillers at the time and whatever else. Right. And he was also going through a loss of his job, his family, his just like stability. So I also took that into consideration, not at the time, obviously, but now looking back, I can understand why. Yeah, his- but you weren't an adult. That wasn't, this is the thing that I have a hard time with. Okay. If you're going to be a parent, I get that you're going to slip up. But as like a, an, if you want to call yourself an adult person, right? You want to be an adult. You want to have kids. Okay. You need to have the ability to understand that one, your kids may say things to you that are hurtful sometimes that they don't even mean. Two, they may say things to you that are just honest and hard for you to hear, but actually need to be said. And whether they're children or not, that might be their experience and their reality. And three, you need to be adult enough to reflect on the fact that it's your ego and your inability to reflect on what they're saying and if it's actually valid to your personal self before you just freak out on them. Yeah. And he was, wasn't able to do any of that. And that relationship was the most toxic relationship he was ever in. So I knew it from like, I, I knew it. Right. I could see it as an outside perspective, but he didn't want to hear that. And it just was a lot. Um, I hate people who call themselves adults and are like, they are like in their 50s or older and they have kids and like they they love to like 
play an adult because they have all these aspects of their life financially or whatever like tied up but yet like emotionally you're stunted like you're 16 still like Mm -hmm. you just love to say that you're an adult but you don't know how to personally reflect and take accountability you don't you don't do it yeah and so this is I guess the next point that I'm going to move on to because obviously my dad did a lot I saw him go through a lot. I saw a lot happen that I didn't even mention here. And I'm not even, It's it will take too much to just go through every little thing. But what happened was I had to find space within to let go of the resentment that I had towards him. Mm -hmm. And that took a really, really long time because he missed every milestone. He was not there for my graduation. He was not there for my proms. None of that, like didn't see me go through any of that, right? What I realized is that our generation, we kind of have an upper hand because we have access to so much knowledge that can help us go within to do the self-reflection where mm-hmm. when our parents were our age, they didn't have that. There was no internet. There was no resources being shoved down our th- their throats constantly telling them like, do this, the inner work, self-reflect. This is why you maybe are reacting this way. And this is that. And they didn't believe in therapy. If they went to therapy, Maybe they would have gotten, you know, that kind of reality check right. where they're like, okay, See, this is what's happening. It's hard for me because my mom like put us in therapy, but she never went. So she knew it was beneficial. She knew it existed because she put yeah. us in therapy after her and my dad, like, like really, we used to go to this thing called like rainbows, which was like group therapy for kids of divorced parents. Mm. So she knew it existed. Yeah, I mean, they obviously, they knew it existed for sure. And she knew it was helpful, but she never did it herself. Yeah. And and what I've realized is that generation was taught constantly that therapies and things like that was- Crazy people need therapy. Yeah. That was was the narrative. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to be literally so messed up in the head to go to therapy. Therapy is so beneficial. Even like allowing yourself to see different perspectives, so beneficial, but- I can see how my dad, my mom never really had that point of view perspective. And I have such a huge point of view and perspective on therapy and healing and doing the inner work. And a lot of that is because I came across abundance of knowledge online that people are willingly sharing that has helped me look within and do that inner work, that self-reflection. So as much as I hate the internet, I also appreciate it. It also has its place. I will say though, like I, I understand the concept of kids who, because I, I think because I've, I've actually, I chose this path. I'm not biased to it. Cause I, I think like if like you obviously have a relationship with your dad, but you have very strong boundaries now for, you know, time limits, what you'll deal, like what you'll deal with how you expect to be treated those kinds of things like I respect that but like when it came to my own mom or like the iCarly actress who decided to cut contact with her mom completely I understand that boundary because and I don't think it needs to be specifically sexual assault but I think physical especially physical sexual emotional when you have like those types of of really severe abuses it's it's almost like as a kid, as a, as their child, even as an adult, and even with therapy, you can't fathom how someone else could do that knowingly or not knowingly to their child. Yeah. And so it gets to a point where like having a relationship with that person as a, as a grown adult hurts you so much that you just 
end up saying like, I, I can't, I can't have it because it hurts me too much because it got to a point with my mom where like, I was so unheard. I was so unrecognized. There were, there was so much abuse of so many different calibers and so much lies, uh, so many, sorry, so many lies and so much manipulation that I couldn't, I didn't want to talk to her anymore. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And I, it was because every time I interacted with her, I would try to hear her and then I would try to share about myself and I would try to like progress our relationship a little bit I would try to meet her where she was at and it would always end up with me feeling like she didn't care about me she didn't love me she didn't want me and it would come back to that all the time and it was just too painful yeah and that is 100% valid too to set those boundaries to the point where like you have to no longer speak to that person totally totally valid totally understandable and I think the biggest thing is, is like, it's not forgiveness, right? Really necessarily. It's more so letting go of the resentment that you carry from the situation and not like allow it to consume you. And that's really hard mm. to do because I struggled with it for a while because I thought, well, letting go of the resentment means I'm excusing his behavior. No, right. absolutely not. That's like not you're letting him off the hook. It's not that at all. It's basically accepting that it happened. And no matter what I do, I can't change the fact that it happened. So right. the only good that or it's that doing me- you, you said one time to me too, like you're waiting for the apology that you're never going to get. Yeah. You're never going to get so it. So you have you're, to just de- yeah. you have to cope with that. Learn exactly. to cope with that. You can't expect the person who hurt you so traumatically to, you know, own that because half the time they're not gonna. And if you wait for that moment, it's never going to happen. And you're going to continue to just hold on to this resentment and let it weigh you down and hold you back from really just, I guess, creating those healthy relationships because resentment can get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. At least for me, it did. I saw all of my wounds being reflected back to me in all of my relationships for the longest time. And as soon as I started letting go of that resentment. Now that I think about it more um in depth I think I've had I think I've had this conversation with you I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast self inner self-loathing talk and like self-hatred talk a lot of people say it's negative self-talk I don't want to just define it as that because it's it's so much worse than that became one of my coping mechanisms and it can I think it can be for so many people in that survival mode because you take the lack of love and guidance and nurturing that you should be getting from that parent and you internalize them them abusing you is something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. you have to fix yourself and you're not good enough to receive love you're not good enough to like you're you don't look the right way you know like whatever it is like all these negative self-talk things and mine has been so bad and I felt like so unloved that like there's been times where I've just said I want to die and I, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. It hurts too much. I just, I've never actually like done anything as an adult, but I've just like said it because it's so, it, it hurts so much that that's like me describing how much it really hurts, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And as a younger kid, I did, I do have a history of like attempted suicide because just living in that house and having all of those experiences and just feeling like nobody wanted you was too much. I used to just sit in my room and cry 
And that's one of the times that it happened. Yeah, I I feel that pain because I was in similar situations feeling like unworthy because I felt like my dad could never love me. Like my dad didn't care about me. He didn't want a relationship with me, whatever else it may be. And then, yeah, that's why when I texted you the other day about the Ginny and Georgia episode. Oh, yes. Christmas special hit me right in the feels because I felt like I could relate to to Ginny a lot in the sense that like she you know was hurting herself and kind of felt like she wasn't getting that attention from her parents especially her mom because her mom had well then her dad like abandoned her basically yeah and then she finally rekindled with her dad and seems to have you know a better relationship with him towards the end there but when that that moment happened where you know her her mom was just like why did you do that and was like literally like grabbing her and like being get off me yeah get off me like I don't need this right now but that's I kind of like could relate to Ginny in that moment because as a child I used to like hurt myself because I was not getting attention and I was Mm. like do I have to be in physical pain in order for somebody to fucking care in order to for somebody to notice how much pain I'm actually feeling do you have to actually see it on my body in order to understand how I'm feeling mm. like the kind of energy See, I kind of like I I understand your perspective but like I almost I almost wish that my mom was as strong-willed as Georgia because Georgia just like saw glimpses of an opportunity for her daughter to get abused and she literally and I'm not I'm not condoning murder but like just the concept of this literally would kill to protect her kids and my mom did the exact opposite my mom literally went to court and allowed this person to stay out of jail which she never admitted to we found out after she passed away by finding paperwork saying like allowing this person to be free when they were a sex offender and live with us and be with us and had done several things to several people that was just completely inappropriate and she knew about and she denied and and it was just like seeing Georgia so fiercely like protect her kids it made me admire her Mm. because I was like she's willing to do anything to make sure her kids are like happy and safe now was she a force as Ginny described her in terms of like there's no attention left for Ginny because everything's about Georgia I really actually enjoyed the therapy session that was in one of the episodes about how they were in Jenny's therapy session and Georgia kept talking about how she felt and the things she did and the sacrifices she made and she kept turning it back into like I can't believe you can't see all the things that I've done for you which I feel like is a common scapegoat for parents and uh-huh. Jenny therapist had to be the third party and was like this isn't your therapy this is her therapy. We're here to talk about her and how she feels. And it's like, when Ginny was like, you're so caught up in your own story that you can't even see that I have my own version of my own story Mm because you don't think my story is valid enough because yours is worse. Yeah, that's what I can relate to that part right there. And I definitely understand how you would be like, yeah, like Georgia was protective and woo. (laughs) So a whole new degree old Georgia that's the thing with parents too well a lot of them can get so freaking caught up in their own problems that they're not even realizing the effect that their own problems have on their children 
or, Mm. you know, the problems that their children are dealing with, whether it's at school or, you know, and nowadays it's so hard for, I feel like for parents to be involved because in order to make a living, you really have to bust your ass and like work so much and parents are never home for their kids as much as like they should be in my opinion but like it's almost impossible for a lot of families these days to stay afloat yeah I would say too I I think it's a lot easier and maybe I'm wrong I would be interested to hear stories of people who have similar situations to us who come from like real money like generational wealth because I feel like it's easier to fall into a lot of these traps when you don't have money and it's like you don't have the resources available to you to be home or take breaks or get help so be curious but I do want to talk about since we were talking about Ginny and Georgia the whole concept of them like being friends more than being like mother daughter Mm. That whole concept comes from, um, like we were talking about before we started recording, what um, enmeshment was. And it's this concept of having relationships characterized by weak boundaries, lack of emotional separation, and intrusive demands for support or attention that prevent family members from developing a strong and independent sense of self. So in that realm, it's like parentification so like you have to take care of your siblings to like an inappropriate degree which like you were saying you've witnessed with me and my sister criticism like them telling you like you're never you're never living up to like my expectation possessiveness is like another aspect where you have to basically like make your decisions off of what you think is going to keep your parents happy because they're like emotionally unstable if that makes any sense helplessness is like The parent can't even take care of themselves, so you're doing all the stuff for them. And then, like, a lot of unpredictability and then a lot of them, like, inappropriately sharing, like, about their finances, so, like, financial struggles or, like, their love life. Just a lot of things that, like, kids don't need to worry about. Mm, Yeah, I definitely felt that with my dad a lot. And still to this day. He'll call and just like vent to me about his love life and ask me for dating advice and things like that and probably tell me a little bit too much and I have to like cut it off because before you know it we're talking for 90 minutes about him and his love life and I'm like all right well it's a good catch up by the way I'm doing good (laughs) by the way I'm still struggling but thanks for asking but you know that's the other thing that like my siblings especially and God, I love my sister, but she shares, she overshares her experiences, in my opinion. I think she's justified within herself to share her experiences as much as she wants about like her day-to-day life struggles, but I don't choose to say those things so publicly and so online as she does. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people just assume that I'm fine, Mm. and it's like, I'm not fine. I'm actually completely fucked. (laughs) I just don't tell people because I don't necessarily want to like burden people. And I also want to find the the validation within myself. I think that's like part of the promotion of like the healing journey for me. And, but yeah, but also like this toxic mentality of hyper independence. So it's like a struggle to balance the two. Cause I'm like, should I tell people how I feel? Or that I'm struggling or like, am I oversharing? I don't know. I can relate to that a lot too. Especially for me, it's because I feel like 
I tend to be the person that my friends come to like vent to. So when I'm constantly getting like their problems vented to me, it starts to make me feel like, well, am I overreacting about my own problems? Are my problems not as big as theirs? Should I not even like mention the struggles I'm going through because they can't compare to what they're going through? And so finding that emotional support from friends is hard for me sometimes because I do feel like second guess myself to share because it's mm-hmm. it makes it sound like I'm like exaggerating over something so simple compared to like what some of my friends are dealing with. And that's always been Yeah, really but that's hard. like that's like the demon of comparison. Like you're comparing your experience to someone else's and it's exactly. like you can't compare anything. Like just like you can't compare someone's house to someone else's house, you can't compare your life experience with someone else's because they're just different Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that yours is any less valid it just means that you've had a different experience because whether you had emotional abuse versus physical it doesn't make your abuse and the trauma that you received and the work that you've done any less valid it's just a different realm yeah and that's that's something I've definitely having to work on and to start validating myself more I definitely don't like to share on Facebook and stuff with people like that I know about my problems and stuff. Also a lot of negativity and I'm, I just, I'm not someone who wants to like spread negativity. Yeah. To the world. And then it kind of like, it makes you very vulnerable for feedback as well, or for people to reply to how you're feeling. And sometimes that's not always like the greatest either. Hmm. But something I've noticed is maybe your sister feels a similar way as my dad, but I feel like my dad gets a lot of healing from talking about his experiences and his past because he'll like hold on to his story so tightly that it's like his identity and that's a little scary yeah and so like that means he's like always in survival mode because that's who he that's who he identifies with mm -hmm. he's he has told me all about his childhood his younger years and he's been through some shit and i said scorpio moon they'd be going through some shit I think the most important lesson about any toxic relationship, whether it is with a parent or another family member or in a relationship, a romantic or or friendship is like learning your boundaries. Like I said, Lauren kind of has done. Learn your boundaries, learn how you want to be treated. Make sure that you're talking to yourself because ultimately you spend your life, your your soulmate in life is really yourself Mm -hmm. because that's who you take through life. Yeah. And I, I saw I just posted that on Instagram as like a re-edit from someone else who said that someone famous, I forget who it was. But like you're your soulmate because you take yourself through your life, your whole life. So do the work to like love yourself and fix your inner self-talk and, and figure that out. And then as you're working through that, is it gonna be easy? No, a lot of things are gonna come up that are hard, but you'll also have really great days and you'll start to see that like you're changing and you kind of not demand, but the environment you're in will start to change because you are changing. Absolutely. And to add on to that too, is remember that how your parents treated you is not a reflection of your worth or your value. That's a good one. Yeah. Because I think that's really important to remember because I think it's so easy to think I wasn't lovable for my parents. My parents didn't love me. My parents treated me horribly. That means I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'll never be able to receive love, but just remembering that how they treat you or how they treated you is not a reflection of your value and your worth. 
Because I feel like too, parents, they're the first people that we go to for validation as children. And so when we didn't get that validation, we start to like think, okay, well, maybe I'm going to start questioning myself and my worth. Giving yourself the validation that you seek from other people is so important. So that's that's something I would give as a tip to end this <laughs> podcast. I kind of wanted to pull some cards. They're like some positivity crystal cards for the collective and for us as well that we need to hear right now. Allow yourself to receive. Okay, so I feel like this goes to, again, when you recognize your worth, your value, you're allowing yourself to receive love. Because if you've been so hurt in the past, we can be very closed off to receiving because we feel like we're not worthy of receiving. So I think that's... I could definitely see that. I've definitely been angry like the last few days and I take it out on Trevor. Mm. It's not very nice. And then I feel guilty when he's not around. <laughs> Look at that reflection. And then we have practice patience. Mm. Like Universe just calling us all out. See the magic. Ooh. I like that. And that no, one flew out. Bottom of the deck, loosen your grip. I struggle sometimes with control because again, we want to control right. the outcome because it makes us safe. Or it makes us Eases feel safe. That's why I control my environment so mm. so aggressively. Yeah, so like we have to like loosen the grip a little bit on that. That's hard. <laughs> <sighs> I gave her the oh, she's right face. <laughs> yeah, I know this. I know this episode was heavier. It was a lot, and and maybe it brought up some emotions within you and you know maybe you're reflecting on your childhood just know that you are worthy and you are capable of anything that you desire and don't allow your past to keep you held back your future yeah Yeah. because that's so easy to do we can get stuck in the past and at some point it's really all about accepting the past happens and there's nothing we can do to change it and in fact the past no longer exists. It only mm. exists in our mind. And every single time we're thinking about the past, we're kind of recreating it in our mind. So it's not right. even reality. I think it's important that if you have trauma and you have things that have that you can reflect on or you find that bother you from the past to process those the way that you need to however those tools are available to you whether it's therapy journaling talking to a friend whatever it is and then letting go of it because if you never process those those traumas you are going to keep yourself in that time frame and you're not going to progress it's going to hold you back from whatever greatness is happening around you in your present life Yeah. And you'll start to notice those past emotions that you've never processed start to come to the surface through your reactions. And remember, you know, healing is never ending. It's a constant flow. Life is cyclic. There's ups, there's downs. There's moments where we're going to feel really great. And then there's going to be moments where we feel really fucking shitty. And that's okay. (laughs) It's okay. You're allowed to have a fucking shitty day. Like you are. Can't be positive all the time. So on that note, we can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Until next time.